0: And I got little sound effects on here. Hey, welcome back. That's awesome. Isn't it? You can change those. I haven't done it yet, but I need to, to put some stuff in there. So if you say something funny, I'm gonna hit this. Perfect. All right, I'm gonna try to be ready. <laughs> All right. And then if you say something like really profound, I'm gonna hit you with this. Oh, awesome. And just. And we'll just pretend that you have a live audience here. So what about when I really dork it up? What do you get? <laughs> so, all right, everybody. Hey, thanks for joining us. We're streaming live from AFSA in San Antonio. We're having an absolute blast. We're making you know, new friends, seeing old friends. Events like these have been... I've only been to AFA once, and this is my first AFSA. And events like this are the most memorable, some of the most memorable experiences of my entire life. Because when can I sit down next to a command chief and just shoot the breeze? Almost never, right? Because you guys are, you got a job to do, you know what I'm saying? But you come here to spend time with us. And so my favorite part is getting to know y'all personally. That has done so much for me, knowing the vision and, and how you guys think. You, you guys and girls, how y'all think. And just hearing that vision and how you got to that point And it's just an incredible experience. We need to send more airmen to these because yeah, I agree. I was a master sergeant when I went to my first one. And I was like, this is the Air Force Super Bowl. How am I just now going as a master sergeant? I've been missing this my entire career. I had no idea it was so awesome. Yeah, so big shout out to AFSA
1: for putting this on every year for all of us. And, and it is the Super Bowl for the Air Force, but I also want to say it's the Super Bowl for enlisted airmen. And it's all about the Air Force Sergeants Association. And I also want to highlight its it's guardians, too, because this is now the Department of the Air Force. The Air Force Sergeants Association is an organization that's there to support all of us. And they lobby for our enlisted um, and at Congress on Capitol Hill, they're the number one lobbying body for us on Capitol Hill with our Congress members. So I'm very thankful that AFSA puts this on every year for this, this professional enlisted development series. It's a couple of days long. And I have been coming to AFSA since I was the chief. When I put on chief, I was required to come to this event. And it's the first time, You know, that was the first time I had the opportunity. And I've been coming every year since, except for that one year we didn't do it because of COVID. Uh, last year was in Orlando, and I'm glad that they brought it back to San Antonio. What better place for AFSA to host all of us enlisted? It is our birthplace. It is. It's where we were born. I mean, I, I, I tell people that I was born at Lackland on February 8, 1995. That's my, how long mm-hmm. I've been in our, serving in our
0: Air Force. That's
1: how long I've been an airman.
0: Wow, that's incredible. I joined in July 2004. That's where I'm sitting. I'm at 18 years now. But hey, you're an awesome guy. Like we were just shooting the breeze before we started this. But Chief, you are a very down-to-earth, approachable, emotionally intelligent guy. I'm I'm always like thankful when I meet someone like you because I know I know the influence that you have by nature of, of your position in the Air Force. So when I know someone like you is setting the tone, that just gives me you know, that peace of mind that that team is, is taking care of. You know what I mean? I appreciate that. And now, shout out to you for what you do. I've been following Hero Front since
1: you got all this started. That's unbelievable. Yeah, you were at, uh, at Whiteman doing your thing. That, well, that's where I, I started tuning in. Uh, somebody had recommended, hey, have you, have you heard about this? Uh, did a like on Facebook? and i watch your stuff man it's quite incredible to see you at your level as an nco as a senior nco and how you get down and dirty with the you know the topics that w- we need to be talking about so hats off to you for what you do man this is definitely your superpower you know y- y- we talk a lot about like hey so what's your superpower my passion is this like well you should do that You're right. regardless of what other people
0: think, whatever people say, it's that opportunities that you're given. Just go do it, and I appreciate what you do. I appreciate that Cause coming from you. That's incredible. I, that you've listened and followed it for this long, like you get in a swag bag. I'm just saying they're right. They're right over here. There's Black Rifle Coffee stuff in there. I'm hooking you up because you're you're one of the OG fans. You know what I mean? But you know why I love that. What you said though about like ha- having a superpower. I never had a superpower. I didn't know what that was. You know, I, I kept, I had no confidence. I would not get out of my comfort zone. And so I never explored what that was. I didn't know what my purpose was or or what I was good at. It wasn't until I started getting out of my comfort zone. Um, and realizing that this is my form of gratitude, right? This is, this is how I show that I'm grateful for you. It's by hearing you out and putting your story out there. That brings me a lot of joy. And, uh, So I'm very blessed and thankful that I've reached this point because I I didn't know this point existed not too long ago, you know. Okay, so we're gonna start with the random questions, the Hero's Gauntlet. Here we go. We're gonna start. Let's do a sound bite, the Hero's Gauntlet. (sighs) Okay, not a good song for you know something so hardcore as the Hero's Gauntlet, but we're gonna roll with it. Perfect. So my first question to you is your notepad. Yeah. That's not your rank. And I, and I want you to show that to the camera if you would. And I want you to tell me the story behind that. Wow. The, okay. So here's my
1: airman's book. That's what I call it. And I tell you, man, I, I get this question a lot, obviously. Uh, and it was never intended for that for folks to recognize it to But wow, thanks for asking. Um, so what's the, the point behind that? Um, you've seen other folks with their notebooks and they put the rank that they have, right? Um, I'm an airman. I've always been an airman. I am Airman Diaz and I call everybody an airman. Uh, everybody always says Big A. I don't believe in Big A because we're all airmen. I was born at Lackland Air Force Base, like I said, on February 8th, 1995 and I've been an airman ever since. Yes, I am the rank of chief, but I am an airman. That reminds me of who I am. And it also reminds me of who I work for. Wow. So that's when I powerful. see that and I, I look at that every day when I pick up my airman's book, that's my constant reminder of don't forget who you are, where you come from, that you're an airman, and who you work for. And, and the last piece too is that that stripe is in amongst these stripes that I, that I wear every day. So that stripe is in here, right? Uh, and that's my reminder.
0: Wow, that's incredible. Have have chiefs always been like that? Like like the way you are in your philosophy? Like when you were an airman, did you get that message from them, or do you think that we've kind of changed to that type I, of community? I believe that that's a um, um,
1: who I, and how I was raised by other chiefs. Like all the chiefs that I've ever been around that have been that I've surrounded myself around have shown that same level of humility have been that positive influence for me. Uh, and I believe that in some form or fashion, that village that I grew up in helped me to continue to stay grounded. Um, but I also wanna say that you know my circle, my inner circle, uh, my family, my parents, my wife, uh, they all keep me grounded and they always remind me. You know, don't forget who you are, where you come from, what you represent, who you
0: work for. That's beautiful, wow. Okay, hey, my turn, what you got? Okay the hair <laughs> what is up with the hair dude is talk, it, talk to me about your hair i i get my hair a lot i think it's part of my signature at this point and on the internet when people were trolling me they call me johnny bravo newsflash i love that name you're not trolling anyone <laughs> but <laughs> i love johnny bravo but no um i think i get it from my dad so my dad was a he was a guard commander uh he, he was stationed at Andrews. So I grew up in uh, the Waldorf, Maryland area, the suburbs of like D.C. So the Air Force was always part of my life. And my dad, he always got in trouble for his hair. Always. It was always too long. like he, <laughs> And he, he bragged about how he would never cut it as short as they want. And he never would. He didn't care what the consequence was. He loved his hair. And... The apple doesn't fall fall, far from the tree. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, And so ever since I was a kid, ever since I can remember, I'd be in the mirror, combing my hair next to my dad, combing his hair. And that was always something important to me because I saw how important it was to him. And now my son, who is three, that boy loves his hair. I mean, he's, he's already... I can see it already happening to him. And he's half Filipino, so his hair is going to be amazing. Yeah. Amazing. It's going to be like a cheat code for haircuts. But, um, you know, the the uniqueness behind that
1: is that your dad was obviously a positive influence on your life. And for folks to not know or understand your story but are quick to judge, um, I I know that's got to be sometimes tough because... you know, you do what you do because of the positive influence that you had in your life by your dad. And now you're talking about your son. Dude, that's awesome, you know? Yeah. But if, you know, it all goes back to just if we just took the time to listen and understand uh, people and their story, um, I won't troll you anymore about your hair. <laughs>
0: okay. But honestly, I, I also enjoy a fresh haircut. I get one once a week. I love barbers. I think they're, because I like to talk to people and so do they. And so I've always become friends with barbers. I love barbershops, spending time there. I love getting my hair cut. And when I got a fresh cut, I just, I I can take on anything, any challenge. It just it just gives me that extra 10%, you know, that I'm looking for, for that day. Sure, awesome. So yeah, that's that's it. But thank you for asking. You bet. Yeah, no one, everyone's trolled me for it, but no one has quite asked me the why behind it. Man, it makes perfect sense. And now we know, now we know. Shout out to my dad, Bill White major retired and he was prior enlisted he was a senior master sergeant awesome so yeah he's he killed the game killed it um okay so next question for you would be what is your proudest air force moment oh proudest air force moment hmm man i've had a lot of those
1: that's tough so uh, i'll give you a couple okay um, first one was one of the airmen that I supervised um, was awarded with a twelve outstanding airmen of the year. Heck yeah! That was phenomenal. That was a a proud moment because I saw everything that um, the airmen that I supervise do, and then write the packet, um, and that that member ended up being a 12081. Great opportunity. Uh, The second one, I was serving as the Irwin PME Center Commandant at Kadena. And the organization needed a lot of work. And the school had, um, had not done well on previous inspections and it got an intern and changed the culture. And the inspection that we had while I was there had a highly effective. And it was the only time or the first time that a PME center had received a highly effective rating. Um, so that was a very proud moment for my team. Mm. Uh, phenomenal uh, experience. Let's see. You know, an- another proud moment just coming off of operations Allied's Refuge, Allied's Welcome at Ramstein. Seeing how our airmen and the community there at Ramstein came together to bring on those thousands of Afghans that Mm. were fleeing Afghanistan and looking to find a better home in the United States. To see how the wings of Third Air Force came together to support uh, that installation. That was a very, very proud defining moment for me. Um, It was just quite incredible to see the the human element of who we are as uh, human beings and as airmen and families. And that was a very proud moment. Man, I've just, I have so many.
0: Uh, I mean, you've been in for a hot minute and you've obviously been working your tail off. So I believe that you probably have a ton. So it's always just interesting to hear some of the things that stick out the most to someone like you with all that experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think those are perfect examples. Um, but yeah, whenever you, I, I'm uh, in the med field. So yeah, that we sent a lot of medics to support that obviously like in California, like on the coast. And yeah, they they came back talking about like with that sense of pride, that purpose, seeing the families that they're actually helping and saving and and really feeling that like, that sense of like taking care of someone, you know? So I definitely heard a lot of good feedback about the families that were saved and brought back.
1: Yeah, it was an incredible opportunity and experience. A lot of the people spoke fluent English uh, they were just off looking for a better place. And they knew that if they didn't leave, that the Taliban would come looking for them because they were tied to supporting and serving you know, our, our purpose uh, in Afghanistan. Uh, and we, we did a great thing. And, and amongst all those thousands of people that came through, I'm hopeful that in there will be an, another Chief Master Sergeant Diaz or another uh, Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, Joanne Bass, uh, you know, or another... Uh, Chief of Staff of the Air Force, uh, C.Q. Brown. And you know, bringing them into our country and giving them opportunity, we just might find the next Albert Einstein and they're part of our our uh, country, you know?
0: Yeah, our variety is definitely our strength. Yes. Oh, absolutely, by far.
1: Our, yes. The variety of who we are as Americans in the United States and the United States military, and the Department of Defense and our Air Force is
0: because of that whole huge uh, bowl of soup that we are. Yes, I remember working with... Uh, uh, you know, because there's military members that we adopt, right? So, uh, through their own program. So there was a, uh, an airman from Africa at, when I was at Luke air force base. Um, and I remember we were taking cleps for college and he took calculus and passed that CLEP, And I was just like, he's an officer now. But like, my point is like, he could have just been doing a job in another country. Maybe, you know, who knows? There's not a lot of opportunity there. Who knows what he would have been up doing? That's right. But instead, he's just killing it for us over here. We, we adopted him. We brought him in our family. And it's just like stuff like that, that I'm just, that was very eye-opening for me. With like the different cultures, the different mindsets, the different outlooks, all contribute in making us such a unique uh, organization. You know, I love it. Most definitely. I, I've always loved it. Okay, so... Wait, do you have you have to ask me one more. That's oh, I got one Almost, hour. almost escaped it. So I take a lot of pride
1: in our airmen that support and are part of wing level honor guard. And what is it that if you had one thing to say or to inspire others to do wing level honor guard, what would it be? Because I know you, you were part of that, mm-hmm. you did that. Um, my exec that I have currently, she did that at DM, uh, and it's. Well, I don't want to take away. I, I want to hear it from you. The okay. airmen want to hear it from you. Okay. Why Why should airmen step out of their comfort zone and be part of wing level honor guard?
0: So, I think the stepping out the comfort zone is a big piece of it, right? You don't know what you're truly capable of. But for me, it, it, like what I appreciated the most about it, I didn't expect until like I started noticing it was happening. So, I'll tell you what that is. So, I had an insane amount of pride for doing something for someone in need that most people could not do, right? I've never felt that way before. Everything I've ever done I've always thought well, someone, I could train someone and someone could do this someone could fill in for me someone could do my job if trained And but not everyone can do honor guard Even even with the best training emotionally you don't know how you're going to respond Right. And I felt so much pride and so brave and so thankful that I was able to emotionally get through those services so I could be there for a family in their darkest hour. And I knew that handing that flag to the spouse and the children and the parents and saying the message of condolence and not messing it up and keeping my cool and giving them that stability giving them that that's where it's a sign of hope it's very symbolic but performing that service for them and giving them that sense of pride for their loved one who passed away and and doing it flawlessly i i can't even express like how grateful i am that i was able to get out of my comfort zone to feel uncomfortable to share their pain to share their burden to help you know, get them through it and to remember to have pride for their loved one. They have that flag forever. Um, and so I would say it's worth it because when, when you can do a service like that, like you're representing the entire air force, you're serving someone who needs you desperately, like their life depends on it. Like when they're crying, it's like their soul is crying. It's, it's very powerful and it's very emotionally challenging, but to be able to provide that service and know that not many people can be there for them, like that on that level, it it changed my life. It it really did. I've never felt more pride than performing that act of service. Uh, Thanks for sharing that. You know, they they teach us chiefs,
1: well, I think even at senior NCO, at the senior NCO level, we're, we're really working on communicating to our NCOs that our responsibility is America's sons and daughters. You know, our parents send us, allow us, encourage us. Sometimes some parents say, no, don't, please don't go do that. Um, but then there's that reassurance that when they're in the military, that somebody's there to take care of their son or their daughter. And, and I just want to highlight, and for those listening in, that even through to the last stage of your life, for any service member or airman, we are still there to take care of your son or your daughter you know at their funeral service and that it's a service that you provide that's a service that our wing level honor guard does so thank you for doing that I really do appreciate you sharing that it, it is a very emotional event for everybody uh, and you're right it does take a certain type of person but thank you so much for doing that um, I really do appreciate it
0: yes sir and, and and for clarity I wasn't that person beforehand I was not I was terrified So if anyone's on the fence about it, I wasn't like fully prepared for it. I had to get out of my comfort zone. I had to take that chance. But the purpose was so strong that that purpose got me through whatever I was feeling internally about it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. And and I'm a better person for it, 100%. This podcast wouldn't even exist had I not done that. Mm. Honestly. Look at that. Yeah. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now. Okay, so that was great questions, by the way. I mean, can we get a round of applause yeah, for the audience? Yeah, let's do that. And wow. You, you don't see them all, but they're all around us in big boots. Yeah, there's just thousands of them. Wow, look at that. <laughs> um, so we're here with the third Air Force Command Chief, Ed or Eddie Diaz. I like Eddie. That, that works? Yeah, I don't know why. Eddie is just catchy. Yeah. It, it suits you. Thank you. Yes. So... Command Chief Eddie Diaz, and not just any command chief, but over a numbered Air Force. So, like, there's a command chief at each base, but you're above that. You have a, a m- multiple bases underneath, right? That's right. So, why don't you run us through the third Air Force mission and what you're responsible for, and and what your airmen are getting after today.
1: Sure. So Third Air Force spans all the way from the Arctic down to the Cape of Good Hope. So think of the North Pole to the South Pole, but on that region of Europe and Africa. Oh, wow. So it's Third Air Forces falls under the major command of U.S. Air Forces in Europe and U.S. Air Forces in Africa. So anywhere there are airmen uh, throughout Europe and Africa, for the most part, uh, operationally fall under Third Air Force. There are nine wings that fall under uh, Third Air Force. You know, the, the wings in the U.K., the wings that are in Europe, you know, In in Turkey, Aviano, Ramstein, Spangdalum, just to name a few, Mildenhall, Hall, Lake and Heath, the 501st, wow. uh, 435th Egao, right? That's another wing. And they are the wing that supports the uh, airmen that are down in Africa. It's actually a 435th Air Expeditionary Wing. Um, so our airmen that are in and out of Africa fall under us as well. Our whole purpose is to develop, defend and um, to take care of our airmen so that they can deliver uh, what we need in the event of conflict or something short of conflict. Um, So we're the organized training equip arm. uh, We make sure that the wings are prepared, prepped, and ready um, Mm. to go to combat or or deter aggression. For example, um, your airmen Um, that are assigned to USAFE Africa right now are heavily engaged with our NATO partners in deterrence against Russian aggression and everything that they're doing against the Ukrainians. We have been very active uh, with our Ukrainians and all our other partners along the line there. So you think uh, geographically, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, uh, Poland, Romania, the Czech Republic, uh, Czechia, uh, Slovakia, uh, all those uh, Eastern Bloc countries that we are we are providing a training arm we are providing resources to the ukrainians and we're also flying combat air patrols along the those borders um to deter russian aggression uh, but yeah that's a I'm very 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 active yes you know our air force is really engaged in talking about agile combat employment or ace we're also talking about multi-capable airmen and we're doing it like it it's we are proving the concept, our capabilities on agile combat employment. And the whole the whole point of ACE is um, to keep the enemy, the adversary on their toes because they don't know where we're gonna go next and where we're gonna fight from. Um, and the multi-capable airman is if you have a, a mission or a focus area to have a smaller footprint in that location so that you can lift and shift to another location right so that's what we're that's wow. what we're after at third air force that's what we do uh de- develop defend and deliver is our motto and we get after it every single day oh my gosh i can't even
0: imagine like the things that you would have to know to make that possible like you'd have to know the cultures of these countries involved you'd have to know what each base's capability is at that certain location you you'd have to know about I just can't even wrap my head around it. Like how does one keep up on all those things to like point us in the right direction with such an insanely large scope? Sure. It doesn't happen overnight.
1: Uh, A lot of that is just compounded on the 27 years that I've been in serving in our air force. So my knowledge, skills and abilities and my capabilities, the things that I have done in the past has helped me be effective in this current capacity And then grow from it as well, because I'm growing every day. The challenges that we deal with, some of the challenges that I've never experienced before, is really in itself development. Uh, For example, last week I was at the Senior Enlisted Leader International Summit, or CELIS, and it's uh, Chief Master Sergeants of the Air Force from 62 nations came together. And I was given the opportunity to represent uh, U.S. Air Forces in Europe and host um, quite a few of chief master sergeants of air forces from Europe. One of them happened to be the Ukrainian chief master sergeant of the air force. It was phenomenal. The gentleman got up and spoke about uh, the challenges that he sees the Russian military going through compared to his military. They, uh, the Ukrainians are heavily invested in NCO development wow. because they grasp and understand the value of the NCO. And the Russians just don't do that, and that's why they are on uh, on their heels right now. Because the power of the NCO and the uh, empowerment that we give—something that I think we take for granted—until you see that it's not done that way in another country. And the Ukrainians have put that into uh, effect, and they are—they're doing phenomenal. Wow. That's why the Russians are on their toes, and the Ukrainians are doing what they're doing. That's, that's how amazing.
0: Yeah, and uh, i i have never been a part of like combat or anything but i've done a humanitarian uh in the dominican republic and you know we work with the army we were representing the air force we had to take care of these people and basically you show up you're in a camp your supplies show up and you just need to make it work and every single person there contributed right like we went into action like i was really honored to serve in in that capacity where we're truly representing America and helping this other country and coming together and just making it happen. Like I was like insanely fired up for the two weeks that I was there, but there's a lot of pride in that. Like when you see it firsthand and like, you're the help, like no one's, no one's coming to help you. Like you're the help. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're there to help and you got to figure it out. You got to figure it out. And
1: you have a small team and maybe you're, I don't know, you're, you're a four and and your role and responsibility is this, but now all of a sudden you're doing the logistics and the ordering of handing more supply. Yes. But you got to figure that out,
0: right? And, and I think like, I saw the difference between the Army and the Air Force too, where we were a bit more like expected to be flexible and think on our, on our, on our own two feet more a little bit more. That's our culture. Um, and that totally happened to me. I was a, a brand new tech sergeant. Colonel Coleman was the commander. He's my med group commander now, so I got to see him all these years later but Colonel Coleman was running it and I couldn't really operate as public health cause I couldn't speak Spanish and the Dominicans don't speak English for the most part. And I was like, what do I do? Like, how do I contribute? And I saw that like we would close and there'd be hundreds of people that weren't helped yet because it was so inefficient. Like the line system wasn't in place in this part of their country. So they're not, they're just, they just want help and they just swarm it. So like I asked Colonel Coleman, I said, Hey, could I, get rope tape whatever and funnel people in and make this flow better so that we can see more patients and he was like yes get after it, do it and so that was my mission for the rest of the time is getting more people in and treated yeah so so imagine
1: if colonel coleman didn't enable you to have that freedom and was very micromanaging
0: or, how- or i wouldn't have be, been able to talk to him too, right? Maybe he was like that type of leader that's so far removed from someone lower ranking that, you know, he created that environment where I could approach him and I could ask his permission on an idea that I had. And then he in turn believed in me to make that happen. Oh, that's, that's awesome. So like, you'll always remember
1: Colonel Coleman, I I could see and sense your emotion when you talk about that, because that leader allowed you and enabled you to have that opportunity
0: to do what you need, knew needed to happen, and just got out of your way. Absolutely, and and it worked. It worked amazingly. We had we only had so many translators, but I put them at key spots, so where they would know where to direct patients immediately, like it, it flowed beautifully after that, um, and we saw thousands more patients, and Colonel Coleman is now the Eglin Air Force Base Med Group commander, which is where I'm at, so I get to work for him again. You know, which is really cool. Because when I knew him, he was a squadron commander. Now he's running this huge med group. So, like, clearly he's been on his way up, too, you know. So, it's cool to to be able to work uh, for him again directly. It's awesome.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Good shout-out to uh, Colonel Coleman. You you got a hero that's putting
0: you out front right now. Colonel Coleman, it's to you. Awesome. Okay, our topics. So, we went over the mission, but... The, the core of our conversation was toxic leadership or, as you put it, the toxic experience. We hear the term toxic leadership. Actually, we've heard it so much that it doesn't really quite have the impact now that it used to, right? It used to be jarring, like, whoa, toxic. You know, it used to really hit you, catch you off guard, get your attention. Now it's more like, "nah, eh, okay, everyone has a toxic whatever you know, the, the word itself has kind of lost a little bit of that oomph. The toxic stuff still exists, but the word itself has been overused, I think, a little bit. But you had a different take on that word. What was your take on that word? Yeah, so if you, I had asked, you know,
1: what how do you define toxic leadership? Define it for me. And, you know, you shared with me what your definition of toxic leader is and what you ended up doing was telling me an experience that you went through yes that defined to you what is a toxic leader right and really that was my setup like I, I kind of i set you up because you did i wanted to share that yes there are toxic leaders I, I, but i i believe that it's an experience that we go through that we then label the leader to be toxic There is somewhere in there an emotion that you went through that you knew that the way that this person is leading isn't the right way to lead an organization by virtue of your experiences and things that you've gone through in the past. That this right now, what I'm going through is not a good experience. If there's a way for me to define what is a toxic leader, this is it. So I encourage people to think more in terms of not a toxic leader, but the experience that I'm going through is toxic, Uh, is the way I define toxicity a not safe environment to work in, the challenges that you go through um, in that regard about toxic leadership. I, I see it more as a toxic experience. So I encourage folks, especially those at the supervisory level, that if you hear or have an airman that says, yeah, that's a toxic leader, will ask the question like, how do you define toxic leader? And be willing to listen to their story because yeah. they're gonna tell you their experience. Bro, I tell you, your definition of toxic leader is totally and completely different than the way I define toxic leader and that's based on my experience. Right. The experience that I've had in my past about
0: toxic leader. And how can we fix something if I don't know what your definition of a toxic leader is? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So that question was amazing. Like it, it had my gears turn in. Like I had to pause for a minute and like really think about what what a toxic leader is to me. And then after I told you, I was like, Oh snap. That's like my opinion. <laughs> like it's not like in the dictionary and there's a one shoe fits all. That's right. Right. And so like, I think it is important to ask that question if we're going to get anywhere and fixing that environment because it, the answer may surprise you.
1: Yeah. It'll definitely surprise you. And you know, I had an experience, uh, from a talk, to- how I define or what the, em- experience I went through was toxic. Not necessarily that the leader was toxic, but what the leader was doing at that moment in time to me was toxic. And it did not compare to what you shared with me, right? Uh, You know, and everybody goes through these toxic experiences through different phases and different periods in their career. It took me being a senior master sergeant to finally have, or being in an environment that felt toxic, or that the leader that I had was the experience he was giving me was toxic. Hmm. And I remember sharing this with one of my mentors, a now chief master sergeant, retired Raul Ruiz. He was a first sergeant chief, and I reached out to him for guidance. And I was telling him my story, and I was like, I'm just really at a loss. Um, I'm dealing with a lot of emotional distraught. I'm thinking about dropping papers because I just don't want to do this anymore. And... His response, and really what I was looking for was some support like, oh, you know, Eddie, I'm so sorry you're going through this. You know, I feel bad for you. He's like, man, you've been a senior master, you're a senior master sergeant now, and this is the first time you're experiencing some toxic leadership or a toxic environment. Welcome to the Air Force. And at that moment, I like, that was a gut punch. And I, that's not what I was expecting. But then as I stepped back and reflected on it and thought about it, uh, there are airmen that are, you know, senior airman that's going through and is working through an experience that it took me being a senior master sergeant to finally go through. There are tech sergeants out there that are going through an experience that took me to be a senior master sergeant until I finally went through that. Right. Um, and it's easy to say that there could have been during those periods a bias that I had, an unknowing bias, mm-hmm. because I hadn't experienced it. Right. But I mean- Like a blind spot. Absolutely. Like I couldn't relate to somebody or all these people that are talking about it, but I can. Right. I, I had to go and have that experience, right? Um, I'm, I'm very thankful for it. It was very, very challenging. It really tested my mental state, it tested my metal, but I forged through it. Um, you know, I had some very close friends that helped me through it. I tell you the one person that helped me the most was my wife. She was my sounding board. And she just kept reminding me, this isn't the Air Force. One human being, one person doesn't define all the experiences that you've had or that you're going to have once you get through this. So just keep your head up and, and, and stay with it.
0: You know why, why it was so hard for, for me to go through? I kind of realized after the fact was, you know, you, you're aware of imposter syndrome. We as humans all experience that. We're like, am I worthy enough to be doing this? Am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Yeah. And so, when you come across a toxic leader, they're saying the worst things that you never want to hear. So, like if you are already struggling with imposter syndrome, they're kind of confirming that imposter syndrome. They're compounding on that imposter syndrome and planting that seed of doubt. Yeah, I would say compounding, not confirming. Compounding, yes. Because
1: they're, yeah, definitely not confirming, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, no, that's it. bro, that's a good topic. And that that's a whole other conversation that you and I can have right. at a later date about uh, imposter syndrome because I used to suffer from that. I don't anymore um, and I've worked through it, but for the longest time, dude. Yeah. Really? But anyway, back to the toxic uh, conversation. Um, you know, I encourage folks to know and understand that it's, it's an experience. H- here's another challenge that we have. So, you know, in your conversation with me, you shared that you have felt that you're the scapegoat
0: yes. or, or the
1: was that the term that, they was the term
0: that was the term that has has been used in like the online toxic workplace community that they that toxic leaders often have a scapegoat who gets 0% of the credit for anything good that happens and 100% of the blame for anything bad that happens and you kind of become ostracized because people as human beings pick up on this concept knowingly or unknowingly and for their own survival you kind of become like kryptonite
1: yes yeah that was what we started talking about is that if within your organization and you see that an airman or a couple of airmen are being ostracized it just seems like the rest of the unit or the organization will spread and separate themselves from those individuals because they don't want to be part or roped into that because those leaders have so much position power, when we talk about enlisted performance reports and enlisted force distribution, folks are worried and concerned that they're, if they associate with the, themselves with those folks that are being ostracized, but they all know that it's a toxic environment and there's these toxic experiences, that's human nature and it's tough. But I would encourage the rest of the organization, especially those that observe and know that that's going on, that's really a time to rally around those people it's like being like the bully that picks on certain kids on the playground but nobody puts a stop to it or nobody surrounds and protects those kids that are being bullied by the bully right Right. yeah this is the same concept of where everybody should surround themselves and, and be blocker and be part of the hey this isn't right i am seeing the experiences that they're going through and we should do our best to protect.
0: So would you say you became a scapegoat in your own situation? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I was the scapegoat. So you felt that, that isolation that that brought on, right? Yes. How did you get past that? Man, I tell you, I, um, I
1: did a lot of running (laughs) a lot, a lot of running and anybody that knows me, um, you know, I have a blog, uh, it's called Headlamp shenanigans and I will go and write about my experiences while I'm out running but It was really in my running, is where I found that uh, that was my release of the stresses and anxiety that I was going through. And then I talked it out with my wife, um, and I also talked it out with a chaplain. Oh, wow! You know, that we don't give our chaplains enough credit for what they do because we see them more in a religious perspective or a religious entity. R- really, they're I, I see them more as a sounding board where I can go and tell them whatever is on my mind and it stays between me and that individual, that mm-hmm. confidentiality. Definitely. And were—it was yeah. a good counseling.
0: Yeah. There, there's power behind saying it out loud. You yeah. know what I mean? definitely. You could think about things all day, but when you're forced to articulate it to someone else, There's change that happens in your mind from that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that did happen for me when I would talk with my wife and then when I would talk with the chaplain. And I mean, there were moments when I would talk with the chaplain and and I'm crying, like just crying, crying it out. I had the, you know, the the pineapple face of crying uh, because I just needed to be a human and cry. You know, and and I had that safe space, but I, I worked through it. I stayed, um, I had a bunch of joint service members that worked, you know, for me. And I saw that as I needed to be their protector and, and be the absorber of the, the toxic experiences that we were all going through. And then the individual left. And when the individual left, that was really the blessing. It was just a big breath of fresh air. But I was worried about my career. I was worried about my performance reports because the gentleman had the power of all of that.
0: And that's scary. It's scary when when you're in that situation, when like 99.99% of everyone that you've come across loves you and vouches for you, but that 0.1% could change everything.
1: Yeah, and it, should, it did, man. It changed my perspective. It's like
0: you're being held hostage. Yeah, and I
1: wanted, to, I wanted out of it. I wanted to just... I wanted to quit. I wanted to be done. Like, I'm over with all of this Air Force stuff. Right. And had I not stayed through it, I, I, I obviously wouldn't be sitting here with you today.
0: Yes, I think I was meant to hear that story. <laughs> Given everything I just told you before we hit record. Yeah. You know, that, that story means a lot to me to hear. And, and it means a lot to me to see what you've achieved since then. Because my optimism, you know, pretty much went down the toilet. Fun am being honest so yeah it is it is really cool to see someone who went through something similar be where you're at now which is unbelievable what you've gone through and, and the point that you're at now it's really inspiring thank you
1: yeah I know it was a tough time um and the folks that I confided would, could definitely would definitely vouch and say yeah Eddie was in a very bad spot he was in a very low point it was under a lot of stress and pressure it was not fun for for us in the
0: environment yeah. right but here you are. Yeah. And so we're gonna end on a positive note. Absolutely. Let's do that. The positive note is something that you have labeled as spotlighting or spotlight. Yeah, I like that. Spotlighting. spotlighting. Is perfect. Spotlighting. We need to get that on a coin or something. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you tell me your thoughts on spotlighting, what that term means to you. Yeah, let's just hear it. Let's yeah. hear about it.
1: Yeah, so so the inverse to the toxic experience or the toxic environment or the toxic leader that we, you know, talk about I'm a firm believer that in my role and capacity and the leadership position that I'm given, you know, I have 32,000 airmen that fall under third air force. And I have a short amount of time in this capacity that my goal and my role is to bring as many of those 32,000 airmen through and to my spotlight, right? So as a command chief, I'm given a spotlight. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, obviously I've earned it, but what I do with it is what matters most. Like I can make the spotlight all about Eddie and at Grandstand and it's all about me, um, but really and truly that spotlight belongs to you and it belongs to every airman that has, you know, I'm honored to serve with and serve for and bring them into the spotlight. You know, so I have two, two years and as many people as I can just turn the spotlight on them and make their day, make them feel good, be in the moment, be present and have fun with them. Um, That's what I'm all about, especially, you know, spotlighting. So any and every opportunity I get, I like to
0: spotlight airmen. So do you have any uh, stories where the spotlighting... Is there any spotlight experiences that you've had that stand out a little bit more where something maybe came out of that situation? Uh,
1: Let's see. Ask that question in a different way because I don't think I quite understand. Is there any memorable spotlights? Oh, yeah, there's there's uh there's a lot of memorable spotlights um and it's not necessarily memorable for me it's more memorable for the airmen yeah uh, i'll give you an okay. example uh, so here's two yeah right off the the okay. brain so a couple weeks or a couple months ago i had the opportunity to fly with the bloody 100th the um the 100th air refueling wing out of milden hall and i went and i flew a mission with um an air refueler and we refueled some F-35s that were flying along the Polish border. And prior to taking off, I had the opportunity to spend some time with an airman first class. He was the crew chief in the morning. He he was responsible for this multi-million dollar aircraft and I took a selfie with him uh, and had a good conversation with him. I got to know the story, where he was from, why he joined the Air Force. Fast forward and I was asked to be the uh, guest speaker at Mildenhall for their chief's recognition ceremony. And on my cell phone, I still had the picture. So what I did was I had everybody that was there turn on their airdrop, and I just airdropped the picture of me and him, the selfie, and I told the story about him. And I I wanted everybody at Mildenhall to know that I had met this airman that's assigned to their wing and how impressed I was by him. And, And the photo was just spreading throughout on everybody's phones, right, at the event which was uh, you know incredible and i told her story so here's what i know happened that at the end of that ceremony and like that next monday people were going and talking to that airman to say hey chief diaz was just here and he shared this photo because it's on their phone wow. with us at this chief's recognition ceremony so like the whole base now knew about this a1c so it really right. put him in the spotlight um, also in that ceremony i brought up the lowest ranking airman that was at the event uh, it was an a1c and i coined her and it was the first coin that she had ever received other than her coin from basic training wow so my whole point in that was telling the chiefs there that as you know their new chiefs as a chief it's your responsibility to bring as many airmen as you can into your spotlight
0: absolutely because uh yeah a lot of uh, you know when you're new or when you're an airman and you're a, a young airman or a young staff or even tech there's sometimes where you don't know how you're doing. You know what I mean? You're kind, of, you're kind of just going with the flow, you're doing your best. But then to have someone like you kind of bring them in and coin them, that's, that's powerful. That's a lot of confirmation and relief. Like, wow, Like I really am doing the right thing. I really am making a difference. It gives them that confirmation that they're on the right path. Because sometimes they don't see the path. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a very powerful thing what you're doing. Spotlight, spotlighting people is definitely a powerful thing. That's and I,
1: gratitude. I encourage all leaders to bring as many people into their spotlight as you absolutely can because they deserve it. They deserve to be part of your spotlight. They deserve to, to shine just like you're given the spotlight. Um, and then the other thing too is like for the airmen, they get brought into a spotlight, have fun with it. Because it's definitely an opportunity.
0: Definitely. I started, I started utilizing that actually in base honor guard because we were doing quarterly awards and I thought this isn't enough. Like one per quarter. I need to find some way to like highlight other people. This is what the grassroots of this podcast was, was the Whiteman Air Force Base honor guard Facebook page. Yeah. So every week I'd pick a new airman, get a nice photo of them, and then I'd ask them a bunch of questions and i would put all the responses in there and then i'd blast it out everywhere i would talk about what you know the things that i appreciated about them and then their family would share it their friends would share it and then i noticed some of them never even seen like their son or daughter in uniform in blues or in ceremonials and tell that picture yeah so it was shared like some of them like hundreds of times because this was like a very introverted individual who wasn't really active online so the family never knew these things about him. And so like, that's what really opened my eyes to like spotlighting people. And you know, to see all the comments and, and all the pride and the, and the really nice things the family and friends had to say about that person, that never would have happened if you didn't give them that spotlight.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, there's so many terms out there that are unique and, and new as we have come of age in the social media realm, like ghosting, right? right uh, what are some other ones <laughs> right you're asking the wrong guy but definitely spotlighting is something that we need to uh, put into our vernacular and, br- and and bring people in and really th- when you're doing that you won't have a toxic experience Not and, with the, and the, the it's right- gratitude no, right
0: that's right it's gratitude like you're getting a tremendous amount of joy seeing that person you know just light up because they might not have ever heard these nice things said about them yet And that, I know, provides you joy as well, right? It does.
1: And where I really find comfort and joy is when I see everybody else seeing their airmen being recognized or highlighted or spotlighted. And I see joy in that because that's their tribe. You know, when I come in to visit an organization or a unit, I I am part of that organization, but I'm not part of the tribe. So when somebody within their tribe gets recognized, it's fun to watch everybody else's responses and reactions right. and then how they'll go. And, and it's kind of like a Rudy moment where they'll put them right. on their shoulders and carry them off the field, Definitely. put his pats on the backs and shakes the hands and, hey, let me see the coin that Chief Diaz gave you. That's the gratitude. Right. you know. That's the spotlighting moment. We need more of that. We need more of that. I, I, you know, I agree. We do need more of that. But I, I believe that that's out there. Mm.
0: It's going on. It's happening, but we
1: do need more
0: of it. Yes. I love the way you think. I really do. I'm, I'm right there with you. I totally get your spotlight philosophy. It builds trust. It fires people up. It changes lives. It, it, it could be something as simple as coining someone that give gives them enough courage to take that job that they were un, uncertain of. That puts that airman, uh, submit his package to be a TI, right? It could have been just that little bit of oomph that they needed to get to that next level so it's huge it's powerful and definitely utilize it especially if you're in someone like your shoes keep doing that just keep doing that because i know you're making positive change thank you for sharing that and so chief diaz we talked about the third air force mission we talked about toxic leadership versus toxic experience yeah which was great We've also talked about the power of spotlighting our airmen, recognizing them, and humanizing them, like with what you do with the photo and getting to know that, that person on the plane, Yeah, right? He was probably like, what is happening? Uh, and I know he will never forget that. Um, and so I just wanted to tell you, thank you for listening to Hero Front for as long as you have. That's absolutely incredible. I'm so honored that someone like you would take the time to hang out with me to listen to Herofront that is just the coolest thing ever to me but I also want to thank you for being a transparent and compassionate leader who really cares about people ah, thank you like I really get that vibe from you that you really are here for other people that you really are serving for other people and that's that's what we need we need that that transparency that compassion that empathy you have those qualities and I'm so proud of you for where you're at now and, and for everything you're doing for us. And I just want to thank you for, for kicking ass for us.
1: I appreciate that. And thank you for giving me this opportunity. Hey man, this is your superpower. Keep doing it, keep being inspirational and for the airmen that are listening, I hope you continue to find value uh, I'm on the global. So if anybody has any questions, um, always available, I'm a chief and every chief needs to be available to every airman out there. And I'm honored to be part of that. I'm honored to be an airman with you, and I will promise you this, that I'll always remember where I came from, and I'll always remember who I work for, and that's every airman in our Air Force.
0: Hell yeah. And with that... Thank you. Yeah. The crowd just (laughs) loves you. All right. Well, hey, that was Command Chief Eddie Diaz, hopefully a friend for life now. You're in the hero front family. You're getting a swag bag. That I've meticulously put together. Awesome. Thank and you. And I hope you enjoy it. And you rock that Hero Front sticker on some sort of mug or cup or something. Sure enough. Absolutely. All right, y'all. This was Chief Eddie Diaz.